The Once and Future Nerd is independently produced. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support us, visit onceandfuturenerd.com support to find out how you can help. Listening to this show on an iOS device? Leave us a rating on iTunes, please. The Once and Future Nerd Book One, Princes of Jordan Chapter Six, The Singing Sister Episode Two I was just a lad, not even eleven years, the first time I met King Gunther, and the first time death tried to claim me. This is one of those times whose memory slices through the fog of age. My father had called my sister and me in from our chores to give us the news. Damn it, Brennan. I told you go easy. I just sharpened it. Sorry, da. Come inside a minute, lad. I need to talk to you. Ugh. The High Prince, young Gunther of House Guernatal, has chosen to honor our farmstead with a visit. It's a great honor. Some go their whole lives never laying eyes on a member of the royal family. My father, you see, held the royal family in as high regard as the faithful should. I'm ashamed to say I didn't feel the same at the time. But we must work hard to prepare for the royal visit. All the summer's honey and last winter's ale must be devoted to the feast. We'll eat dry bread and drink grog until then. Also, Fiona, I need your bacon every day. Spare none of our reserves. Only the best for his highness. You understand, Brennan, that you want to be able to make you one of your ma's maple tarts this year. My sister was born without speech, but we learned to understand each other as brother and sister must. I knew by the sign she made that she truly was sorry. It's not your fault, Fiona. And you can wipe that sore look right off your face, lad. The prince needs a bunch of farmers to cook for him. <laughs> Ain't he got enough gods damned? For the last time, you'll not blaspheme in my house. Nor will you speak ill of royalty. He and his men keep us safe. Food's the least we can give them in return. Now will you weep over some sweets like a little girl, or will you accept your debts like a man? The argument was not a new one. I was young and strong-willed and stupid. Our arguments often ended with me earning a beating. This one, though, was stopped by a knock on our door. I opened it to find one of our neighbour. Mr. McAndrews. Brennan, may I come in? What brings you to my home, Alistair? The missus wanted me to ask if you had any honey you could spare. Afraid I can part with any Prince's Feast and that. Prince's Feast? Oh, haven't you heard? I hadn't, but it figures. We had a good harvest this year. Could have maybe turned a profit. Such is the way of things. You'd have nothing if the crown didn't keep all the bandits at bay. If the princes of Jordan baked half as much bread for their subjects as they did for their feasts, maybe there wouldn't be so many bandits. You know what your problem is, Alistair? You think that just because your carcass takes up space on Jordan that you're owed something, that somehow the rest of us who work for our place in the world, should pay you for the air you breathe. Now get out of my house before you infect my children with your indolence. I look forward to His Highness's speech about the generosity of the common farmer. That's harsh, man. I think our dads would get along. 
Similar parenting styles. He was a hard man, but he knew a diseased soul when he saw one. I don't know how the dude sounds diseased. Hush, boys. No more commentary. Best to let Sir Brennan return to his tale. Aye. The next week passed rapidly. I did as I was told, even if I sulked the whole while. And then came the day I first laid eyes on Gunther. My father had his dress now finest, and await the high prince along the road. It took many odds and even more bruises, but I was there with my family to greet Gunther. Hail! All hail his highness Prince Gunther! We all knelt in the dust by the road until the princess heralded Arrestus as protocol demanded. Rise, please. Who is responsible for this plot? I, Willem, son of Brandon, work this plot gratefully and in faithful service to Lord Aaron Greyheart. May it please you. Very good, Willem. His Highness requests some well water that he may wash before supper. Gladly. Brennan. I went to fetch the water while the prince's retinue dismounted. The prince traveled with many men. I filled our largest water kegs. Even at eleven years I was taller and stronger than many men twice my age. Still, it took me some time to fill and carry the kegs. By the time I returned, Gunther was practicing with sword and shield in a clearing. It seemed my child's willfulness fled me in the presence of royalty. It was unseasonably warm out, and he trained with his shirt off. I could not interrupt him in a moment of concentration. You understand. Would be rude. When he finally noticed me, I was suddenly shy. I threw myself to my knees, eyes locked on the dirt at Gunther's feet. Your Highness... The, the water you re requested. Thank you. You may rise. What do they call you, boy? Brennan. May it please your highness. How many years do you have, Brennan? Nearly eleven, your highness. Eleven? Big for your age. Strong, too, I'll bet. When do you turn eleven? On the morrow, your highness. Tomorrow? Well, that won't do at all. I'm having a feast tomorrow, and you know what they say about the peacock loathing the sparrow which stands next to it. I was horrified. I couldn't believe how quickly I had offended my prince. How would we be punished for my insolence? My fear must have been evident on my face, as the prince gave a short laugh and put a ah! hand on my shoulder. Sorry, it was just a joke. Oh, of course. Very good, your highness. A somewhat cruel one, I'll admit, but I meant you no personal insult. I'm not very good at this. I hadn't noticed, your highness. Gods, is this as exhausting for you lot as it is for me? The water, your highness? No, not at all. It was my honor and pleasure. Never you mind, Brennan. Run along now. I'm sure your father and sister could use your help. I later learned that it was not at all what the prince meant. Gunther cared for his people more than he did for formalities, especially then. As he aged, he learned the import of bowing and the titles, but he never enjoyed it. Sir Brennan paused in his tale, lost in his own memories. His eyes began to droop closed. Hey! This shit was just starting to get interesting. You want the import of bowing and titles? I'm ordering you as queen to finish this story. Very well, your grace. The royal feast was the next evening. We filled the village mead hall. There was food and music and dancing. The prince gave the speech that Alistair predicted. His majesty, my father, told me since my youth about the generosity and work ethic of the common farmer. But I didn't understand until I saw for myself, and now I can truly say that I am honored and humbled. 
I can think of no better example of this than Brennan, son of Willem, whom I met yesterday. I could hardly believe what I was hearing. He has eleven years today. Every boy deserves to celebrate his birth feast, even if a prince is around. Brennan, will you and your family sup with me? I was overcome with pride. My father was happier than he had ever been since my ma died. We ate, we drank, all was well, until McAndrews arrived. Everyone, come quick! The granary is on fire! The merriment ended in a flash. For poor farmers like us, the granary was life itself. If we lost the stores of food, half our town would die of starvation in the coming winter. I'll send some of my guard to help. Please, your highness, that won't be necessary. I insist. The prince did one better. He himself rose to direct the efforts of his men. I tried to join the prince, but my father held me back. I mistrust this. Take your sister and go home. I'm coming to help with the fire. No, listen to me. I'll help with the fire. You and Fiona wait in the hunting blind and watch the horse. If anyone comes, run and fetch me right away. Don't dare do anything yourself, understand? My sister and I did as we were told and hid to watch our house. I loved Fiona more than anything in Jordan or Selberin. And even without speech, she was sharper than a moonsilver arrowhead. As we waited in the hunting blind, we spoke in our own way. I don't know what it is we're looking for. Probably nothing. Probably Da won't let me do anything like always. She gestured to me as if chopping wood and smirked. Ugh, any idiot can do that. That's all it took for her to know I was troubled. I denied it, of course, but she knew me too well. She asked me if I was worrying after some lass. She was always teasing me, embarrassing me in front of her friends. I told her it was not about a lass, and of course she did not believe me. She started to prattle on about the prince's good looks. I wanted to hear none of that. Suddenly, though, she had a thought. Sharp, that one. As I said, she pointed toward the McAndrews' farm and raised an eyebrow. Don't be silly. He depends upon the granary, too. She pointed out that he must have been the only man in town not at the feast, and there was no reason for him to be at the granary in the middle of the night instead. Maybe he really mislikes the prince that... Good God. Fiona, stay here. If someone comes, get that. Do you understand? I'm going to leave you the horse, but I need to go now. Give me your word you won't do anything stupid. The stupidity of children. I should have stayed with Fiona. She should have listened. Instead, I ran back to the mead hall. Through the red light of the blood moon, I could see smoke. I arrived to find the whole building ablaze. Men and women were dead everywhere, including many of the royal guard. Guter himself was in the middle of the fight. He moved through the same pattern of strikes and parries as I watched him practice the day before. Only this time, he parried dark-cloaked Templars. No one should have to face that as a child. Or ever, for that matter. Wait, face what? The Templars of Discord. Dude, dibs on the band name. The Templars of Discord are a militant cult of Geradian. Twisted, irredeemable souls, everyone. Aye, to be sure. But as mages, they're all the more formidable for it. They fought Gunther's sword with wisps of blackness, darker than night itself. The prince was surrounded, his back to a wall, three hooded figures gesturing at him. With a flick of one Templar's wrist, Gunther's sword went flying. With another, his arms were pinned above his head with bones of night. I didn't think. There was no time to think. 
I grabbed my axe, my woodcutting axe, on my way to the hall. I swung it, and the first Templar's head was rolling across the ground. That was the first man I ever killed. I swung at the next Templar's chest, and my axe lodged there. As I tried to dislodge it, the man's hood fell. It was Alistair McAndrews. He was the second man I ever killed. Holy shit! Dude, you couldn't see that coming? Have you seen any movies ever? Hush, children. What happened next? Next, the third Templar summoned lightning and struck me. Dramatic. But you're here telling us the story, so how'd you cut your way out of that one? I wish I could say I woke up surrounded by the prince and my family. That Fiona made some joke with her hands about how stupid I am and we all laughed. But that's not what happened. My sister wasn't there in that tent. My god, she didn't? No, she lived. <sighs> my father didn't, though. Oh, Galadin's mercy. McAndrew's wife, also a Templar, it turned out, snuck back to my father's house and set it ablaze. No shit. The thing about the wicked is that they're often also petty. My sister, God's damn it, she gave me her word. She thought she could stop the fire while it was still small. She got confused in the smoke. My father returned in time to save her, but the house collapsed before he got out. She never came to see me while I recovered. I think she was scared I'd blame her. I think part of me did. But not as much as I blamed Alice McAndrews. In any case, when Gunther invited me to join his army, I didn't have to think too hard. The army? When you were 11? The captain of Gunther's reinforcements asked the same thing. The prince himself invited me and commanded his captain to accept me. I was still bedridden, recovering from the fight. I wasn't that brave at his age. Some men are never that brave in their whole lives. No doubt, Your Highness. And with all due respect, but I can only do so much with a boy. Well, do it. By your will, my prince. So, what do we do with her? Alice McAndrews survived the fire, God's demmer. The prince's men had arrested her and had bound her with arms high above her head. The pain would distract her too much for her to focus on her spell, but knew not what to do with her. Has she told us anything about the plans of the Templars? Hasn't said a god's damn word for the last two days. I suppose we must take her back with us. Uh, my men won't like it. Waste of rations, they'll say. I won't like it. But my father was very clear on the subject of summary execution, and this village is clearly in no state to hold a trial. Brennan, my boy, up and about, I see. Have you thought about my offer? Did my physician clear you to walk? It was no clear to walk. I could barely even stand. But Alice McAndrews lived, and my father did not. There was an axe near the captain's tent. A real battle axe. I had never held one before. But in some ways... All axes are the same. You swing them, they caught things. I swung the axe, and swung it again, and again, and then she was dead. I walked back to the prince, dropped the bloody axe, and fell to my knees at Gunther's feet. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. New episodes are released every other Sunday. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira, and directed and edited by Christian Madeira. It is performed by 
Rhiannon Angel, Garrett Armin, Dan Dobransky, Lily Drexler, Hayes Dunlop, Anya Gibeon, Ian Harkins, Paul Notice, Frank Querez, and Julie Reed. It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly. Alex Story is an associate producer. The Once and Future Nerd is recorded by Brian Forbes at the Gallery Recording Studio in Brooklyn, New York, with second unit production sound by Gary O'Keefe. Foley sound design and mixing is done by Sandra Ramirez. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Thanks for downloading. 